glove. First Corinthians 13. Now, I want to tell you a little story, and the kids will like this because it's, it's a story form. Uh, Jesus, I'm not as good as he was. He always taught in story form. But uh, th this, is, this is an actual account of what happened to a, a, a gentleman that uh, came to see a psychiatrist. He was distraught and suicidal, and uh, he came to see a psychiatrist there in town, and, and he was very desperate. He poured out his deep thoughts about his anguish and, and uh, pain and loneliness to the psychiatrist. And uh, he said he wanted to kill himself. The psychiatrist said, uh, you know, and he listened to him and said to him, as he talked about all these failures, he looked expectantly at the psychiatrist and, and you know, what, what are you going to do to help me? You know, we're all looking for help. Mankind is looking for help. And he said, I want to recommend something to you. He said that uh, it's a bit out of the ordinary, but I think it could really help you. He said, I've heard that there's a clown in town, and uh, he's performing at the theater downtown, and I hear that people are rolling in the aisles uh, in laughter and can be heard from blocks away. I recommend that you buy a ticket and go see that show and see that clown. And uh, he said, I have a hunch that you too will get caught up in the laughter and enjoyment and discover the life that is still worth living. The man looked down and said, I can't go see that clown. Zachiatrist said, well, why? Why won't you give it a try? Why not be a part of this life before you end it? And the man wept. He said, I can't go see that clown. I am that clown. He was the man that was impersonating the clown. You see, there's 55 billion, with a B, 55 billion dollars spent every year on mental health issues of all kinds, of course. And the church uh, primarily has, has really not helped people. I, I'm not sure why I have some guesses uh, notoriety maybe money might be an issue because some of these things are hard to talk about and you, you know you don't want to offend your biggest givers I don't know I, I really don't know why why uh, the church has been lacking on these things because I'm telling you what what we have from the Word of God is is the is the answers for lost and dying and hurting humanity. We, we have those answers for people. But then maybe again it's because we have uh, failed to walk in these issues ourselves, And we really don't have an operational standard of love in our lives. So that, that's my desire. I, I caught a glimpse of you earlier this morning in my office and, and, and I began to cry. Because I heard these, I heard this come up out of my spirit. And it said, they need a sanctuary. They need a safe harbor. They need a place to come and get their wounds healed. And, and, I, and I hurt for you. And I know there's none of us that are exempt from that desire to be whole. You know, that's God's greatest desire, to know Him so that we can be whole. And I'm not talking about just, 
in front of people. You see, everybody pretty much, you know, we, we're, the, way, the way our society, the way our world is, we, we try to please people. We try, you know, to make people laugh and, and enjoy. I know I, I really like it when I say something funny to my brother, uh, Frank, that was here. Because I, I love to see Frank lie, laugh. It's, it's just really cool. And then he tells the best stories. Uh, I guess one of the hardest I ever laughed at him was when he and a guy that worked on a farm, the old horse died. I don't know whether it was a horse or a mule. Anyway, a whole old horse died. And they got the tractor and they dug a hole and rolled that horse over in there. But they couldn't get one leg to bend down. And so what them boys did is they heaped up the dirt all around and all you could see was that hoof sticking right like, like a volcano with a hoof sticking out. And I laughed and laughed at that boy. But you know, a lot of people are caught in, in that trap that if you can get into, like this clown guy, you know, like Robin Williams. Robin Williams has caused millions of people to laugh. Uh, and, and look how depressed he was. So, so that's what, you know, we get stuck in these things. You know, we end up empty and alone and depressed. And, uh, you know, sometimes fame and fortune is a very lonely place to be. It's lonely up here. Uh, many pastors fall into that. They don't really connect. It's, it's under the old false pretense that, well, you can't really get to know them really good. Because once they discover your warts and stuff, they're going to not receive from you anymore. Well, I got news for you. I ain't ashamed of any of my warts. Any of you know, my personality and all that. I, I am who I am. But we get derailed from, from life. And we get, I call it getting stuck because we're, we're you know, we, we, there's three people tracks that people are on, basically. And that is... Becoming, relating, and achieving. Becoming, as far as from the Christian standpoint, is coming into the realization of your purpose. You know, coming, in, be, becoming, coming into the realization of why you exist. If it's just to work and make money so that your kids can have food to eat and then raise them up and so they can go do the same thing. I mean, that's really not, I mean, that's noble. There's nobility in that, but there's not freedom. So we all have a purpose uh, that God has for us. And, and then, of course, relating. Uh, relational issues, because, you know, de developing healthy relationships with people and with God. There's, there's millions of people that have a bad relationship with God. That, you know, from anywhere from, uh, you know, what the Islamic people do and worship that false God all the way down to just right here where we just, maybe some of us have just kind of an ethereal concept about who he is and he's just there and we're going to go see him one day. But, you know, it's much more than that. He wants intimacy in our lives. He wants us to know him. He knows us already, but he wants us to know him. And that is the most important thing in life. And then, of course, this, the last one here of the people track is achieving. You know, achieving... Uh, 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 what I mean by that is accomplishing your purpose. There's nothing like an, a, a sense of achievement. I know I, uh, I didn't have many classical achievements in cabinet work, uh, especially the last, probably the last 20 years. I, I was a service tech, basically, 
and uh, just fixed other men's mistakes. Somebody else fixed mine. But uh, when I refaced kitchens, I'm telling you, it's just amazing to go into a half a million dollar house and, of course, this one lady I'm thinking of, she was a, a realtor there in Atlanta, lived in the, the country club of the South, right down the street from Jeff Foxworthy. And a lot of famous people lived in there. And you'd pass them as you'd go. You had to get a, a pass to go in. This woman, she chose a, a, a color for her kitchen. And I, I'm kidding you not. It looked like you stood back with a box of milk and a box of chocolate milk and threw it on the kitchen and it all ran down. So I said, whatever. So I refaced the whole kitchen for her, put new doors, new drawers, new drawer fronts. And when I got done and stood back, I, I was amazed at how it looked. <laughs> she, she was a New Yorker and she got on the phone with her daughter and all she said was, oh my God. And, of course, her, her daughter cussed. I could hear her on the phone cussing. So, what in the world do you want, Mother? But anyway, the accomplishment. It's, it's cool to have, you know, accomplishments you can be proud of. And, and, and I, was, I was proud of that. I, it was a very good job that I did. But unless your accomplishments are beneficial to the kingdom of God, it's hollow still yet. Did you ever realize that... The majority of, of uh, athletes in uh, the, the big world games, what are they called? The Olympics. Most of them, after the Olympics is over, they're depressed and suicidal because they've accomplished everything that they wanted to and what they have been. So I don't want us to come to the end of our lives here in Moreland and realize what I've missed. What you know? What was my purpose? What what did I do? Last Sunday, I, Lorraine and Teru and I were over at the nursing home, and I ministered a, a message that was an unusual for that group of people. I talked pretty much about what your body is going to be like when you leave this one, and uh, how that we don't need to try to hang on to this one for any other reason other than it's not serviceable. I mean, we have to keep it healthy. We have to keep it going. We have to all that. And so I encouraged them. And, and a long, long time ago, the, the, the Holy Spirit told me when I do a funeral, He said, you need to build a vision of heaven in those people's hearts. And so that's what I do. So after the meeting, Lorraine took uh, Teru and I back to see Ruth Bird. And a uh, precious woman. I don't know. She may have been out there before at some point, but I didn't really recognize. But that was, in my mind, that was the first time I really met her. And so sweet and precious. And she was shivering and cold and wanted me to pray for her. And we did. And, and then uh, Lorraine called me a few days ago and said she had passed away. But uh, after, after we left there, I, I told Teru, I said, uh, somebody's going to die this week there. But... It's really sad to know that, you know, I, I've heard of the testimonies of, of what Ruth did and, and how she taught here. And then, and then someone told me about what her husband did, passed out to uh, candy and stuff for people. So, you know, we, we need to make a mark in our life, don't we? You know, we, we, we need to leave some kind of legacy. Uh, all I know to do for myself is leave you the Word of God. That's all I have. 
So on that sheet of paper, there's a place where you can jot down some notes from this message today. And, and of course, I know I'm not going to get through with this. We'll probably be here again next week. But uh, I want to read from Kenneth Wiest. You know, those of you on Wednesday nights know that Kenneth is one of my favorite uh, expositors of the Word of God. But here in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, I'm just going to go ahead and read eight verses. Is that okay? It's just, it's just so cool the way he puts these things. If in the languages of men I speak and the language of angels, but do not have love, he said, I have already become, he gives some, a definition there I'm not going to read. I have already become and, and at present am, am a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of uttering divine revelations and know not all the mysteries and all the knowledge and, and if I have all the faith so that I am able to keep on removing mountain after mountain but am not possessing love, I am nothing. And if I use all my possessions to feed the poor and if I deliver up my body and he's got in brackets here as a martyr in order that I may glory but do not have love, I am being profited in not even one thing. Love meekly and patiently bears ill treatment from others. Love is kind, gentle, benign, pervading and penetrating the whole nature, mellowing all which would have been harsh and austere, is not envious. Love does not brag nor does it show, show itself off, is not ostentatious, does not have an, an inflated ego, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek after the things which are its own, is not irritated, provoked, exasperated, aroused to anger, does not rejoice at the iniquity, but rejoices with the truth, does not take into account the evil which it suffers. Love endures all things, believes all things, hopes all things, bears up under all things, and not losing heart nor courage. Love never fails. Well, that's a tall order. You know, Jesus is made unto us that. You know, as, as the scripture says over in 1 John, God is love. As I said last week, I think, and numerous times before, God does not have a lot of it. He is. That's His identity. And how many knows that He is your Father? Father God. Father God. So that means you are loved too. You are His offspring. You cannot join God's family. You have to be born into it. You can join organizations, you can join different religions, but you cannot join Christianity. You have to be born. And so that, that word means to be gendered from above. And that means you get a new spirit inside your body. The old spirit still that, you know, is there before, and the spirit of Adam. And it, it, you, know, you, can, you can listen to it, you can do this, you can, you know, all the mysticism and stuff out there, it deals with that, that old Adamic spirit. But in, in this chapter here, 
It's talking about your relationship with others. A lot of people say, well, that's the description of God. Well, it is, but it's the description of the, of, of the pattern that we have inside us. It's a description of your new nature. Your new nature is love. See? And that's why the enemy has worked so hard to get us to go down the broad way. The broad way has its own uh, rewards. The broad way has gratification. Gratification is pretty instant here in, in this flesh that we live in. It, you know, it's, you, you can be gratified fairly easy through that, that way uh, the, that's Jesus called the broad way. The narrow way is the way of the Spirit. I remember me sharing about that a few weeks ago. The narrow way is the walk of the Spirit. It's, it's how you live out from your Spirit. And the beautiful part of that is that edification is its result. Not, not, you know, not gratification, but edification. And that's what we're all striving to do in this present world in growing in the Lord. That's why we're doing the Wednesday night class. By the way, I'm not going to hand out study guides until after. So, because it's just too distracting for me to teach. And you can make some notes and stuff and then we'll, we'll deal with it. But anyway, uh, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 7 through 11, and we're not going to go there. You can read this in your study time. But it, it basically says that love is of God. The word of there is the little Greek word ek. It means out from. So love is out from God. Love comes from God. No other source. I shared with you a little bit about the other three kinds that we call love here in our society. But uh, uh, men, people I should say, cannot really uh, know love except by being in union with God. Many other times that I've ministered these messages, I've titled it Knowing, knowing uh, Perfect Love. And the only way we can do that is through and by being in union and fellowship with God. One of the things that hinders us from that fellowship with God is the fellowship we have with others. When you're out of fellowship with others, it is an indicator... Uh, it is a measurer, uh, a thermometer, if you will, on how much your love is really going out to people. Because on the same dimension that you love God is the same dimension you love people. And that, I mean, that exposes all of our hearts right there. Uh, I mean, there's people in my life that it's hard for me to be around because it's, it's so easy to switch over to that broad way and try to relate to them through that. And, and you know, you want to just end up smacking them long, hard, and often. You know, and, and it, it, that's not God. So, so that exposes my heart in that area. And, and we all have these deficits because of our understanding and knowledge of God. So, in order to be the creature that God intended for us to be, we must know and believe that He unconditionally loves us. You cannot allow a thought to come into your brain which, which makes you think that because of certain behavior, He's rejected you. Remember the definition of agape I told last week is that it cannot withdraw. It, it never withdraws. So, 
So we have to understand. It, it's just like the little thing that he told me in my office that day in 1990. He said, the first thing you have to do was find out how much I love you. And so I've been on that journey. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've not found out yet, uh, you know, how much he loves you. I'm going to do serious messages here in a few weeks probably on the limit that love went for us. And hopefully we can, we can get, you know, get a, a little glimpse of, of the depth that God went for us through the death, burial, and resurrection. So, when we do things for God or for people with a view of being accepted or loved, we have come into a state then that I've, I've called toxic love. You know what toxicity is. To toxic love. Toxic means poisonous. So poisonous love. And when that dawned on me in 1990 that my love, which I thought was real love, that my love for God was poisonous. It was going to destroy me. And, I mean, that was a tall order for me to, to understand. So, so toxic love... Is, is, is something that drives a lot of people. You, you get into toxic relationships. See, poisonous relationships. How many know you just can't fellowship with everybody? You know, it's okay to say, you know what? I'm going to love you in the name of Jesus, but we're not going to run around together. You know, we, we just can't afford it. Uh, it it's, uh, it'll pull you down. So, Compensatory love then, which is, which is doing something for something, compensation, is void in the kingdom of God. So let's, let's just try to abandon that here at Crosspoint. Let's, let's just get away from doing any... I don't care if you're walking some old lady across the street to the post office, which I happen to have seen a while back. Somebody helped her, helped her across. You know, if you're doing that to make yourself feel good, like toxicity, because you're, you're not doing it for love, you're doing it for yourself, see? You're doing it for your acceptance. You're doing it to look good. That's why I really don't like passing offering plates. I've seen too many people put the 20 bucks in or the $100 bill in and, you know, just bless God. Well, you know, Jesus looked at it when the, you know, when the little woman put her in and put in her, her two cents, I'll call it. He, he, he saw that. But, but, but we have to be very, very careful of why we're doing what we do. Does that, does that make sense to you? Is this too simplistic? Y'all getting anything out of this? I don't see any pencils going. <laughs> so, what would be a definition? Toxic love is, ba is the basis for the martyr complex. You know, I, I, th I think there's been a lot of people, maybe in the military, some of you guys that were in the military may have seen this, where guys will sacrifice their life because of the glory that it's going to bring. You know, you've seen that in some of the movies on TV where people are doing that. But, but the definition, a basic definition, you know, this is, this is simple here. It's, you know, there's a lot more to this than these little things that I'm giving you this morning. But it's someone who gives their life for their own beliefs. Someone who gives their, you know, but Jesus said in John 15, 13. He said, greater love hath no man than that he would lay down his life for his friends. He went on to talk to people, talk to the disciples about friendship. He said, I, I'm not going to call you, you servants. 
He said, because a servant does not know the intricate details of his master's life and his business. A servant just simply obeys. I think too many times in the Christian world, we, we have a servant's attitude toward God. Where all we're going to do is just do, you know, what it takes to get by. Instead of being a servant to men and a friend of God. Jesus said, I, I, I'm calling you. He said, whatever. No, now notice this. This is just, this is just awesome. Think of, think of him coming down and meeting with us today and saying this to us. He said to these disciples, he said, he said, I have given you every word that the Father has spoken to me. My Lord. Jesus, you're welcome to come in my office any day. He just said, I'm there. <laughs> but at least he's listening to us today. So doing, th you know, another, another thing. Doing things which need to be done because nobody else will do them. My management style as a pastor follows that line. Because I will not allow, if I can, I mean, I'm not going to hurt people's feelings, but I won't allow people to work in my church uh, because, well, you know, there's nobody else, so I guess I'll do it. No, bless God, you won't. Yes, because people suffer for that. The people you're trying to assist and, and deacon or deaconess are going to suffer for that. So, uh, let, let's talk a, a few minutes about the signs of toxic love. Uh, and I know we've probably all heard these. Well, no one appreciates what I do. I mean, you've never heard that. Another sign is feeling that you have to be all things to all people. Well, you know, brother, the Bible tells us that. Not in that context, it, context it doesn't. Uh, oh, here, here's a good one. Covering up somebody else's sin for the sake of the doctrine. For the sake that they won't be hurt. You know what that is when you cover up somebody's problem like that? Without really effectively knowing how to minister to them? You are an enabler. There's been many a mother, bless their darling hearts. There's been many, many a mother that has been an enabler to their, to their adolescent children which grow up and end up committing suicide with drugs that, that they are the one responsible because they enabled. See? I mean, that's hard to, to, to minister to a, a, a young mother like that, that that has lost children. But it's the truth. I mean, we ought to see by now in this political atmosphere that we're in in this nation that covering up lies is only going to make things worse. So when we enable, if we enable uh, a certain candidate, I won't get political here on you, if we enable a certain candidate by not talking about the bad things that they're for, it only, everybody suffers for that. But they just went out of sight, out of mind, you know, that seems to be the philosophy. Is this okay today? I know this is not a verse-by-verse -verse, uh, exegesis of the Word of God, but these things are where we live. That, that, that thing I was just talking about, fixing others, it's called the Savior Syndrome in psychology circles. The Savior Syndrome, trying to fix people, trying to you be the one that, you know, that will always be there. In other words, what you're doing is you're seeking somebody else's happiness. And you can't do that. You, you might fool yourself thinking you can, but you can't, see. God is the only source for joy and peace and happiness. He's the only source, not us. That's why I say many times I'm not going to do more for people than Jesus does. Jesus waits on us. I saw that when I gave that word. I saw it when you were giving yours. 
I saw that. I saw the Lord just waiting on us. Just waiting on us. Who's the Tabata? I don't want to say that, Jesus. I was crying around a few days ago. <laughs> saying, Lord, I've got to have these gifts in the ministry operating here. People are hurting. People are dying. People need these gifts. And you know what the word came to me? He said, I have put my words in you for those things. So, there's a, there's a great study on the root of bitterness in the Word of God. It, it, it would do you well to go and search that out, study that out. The root of bitterness was actually a, a root that they put into people's drinks that killed them. But this root of bitterness is what he's talking about here. Is this, this thing about toxicity, this love that we call love. It's not really love. But this relationship, this performance-oriented relationship that a lot of Christians have is very toxic and it will cause your heart. The root of bitterness will spring up in your heart and will hurt you and others. And it's deep in there. It's in your heart. It's in your emotional realm. That root of bitterness. But it has to be taken out by the roots by the Holy Spirit. But that, that's an excellent study. But uh, how, how then do we get into toxicity in our love walk? How, how does that happen? Number one, by having a misconception of the gospel. Which results in a distorted view of the character and nature of God. Now can you see where the, the enemy has that as his priority? He needs to distort the message. So that we will have the wrong view of God. Jesus very clearly says in John 10, 10, He said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So there's the two ways again. He comes to steal from us, kill us, destroy us, keep us, keep us inactive in the kingdom of God. But you see, what we don't know is that religion has as its foundation toxic love. Remember, remember my little definition of what religion is? It's the attempt, man's attempt to control the response of God. Well, maybe you know if I, I fast a lot. I'm going to fast now, but I'm not trying to move God. Maybe, maybe if I do these things, maybe if I give more money. I'm telling you, there, there is a condition that people have. And the Lord told me, this is probably 2001, where I was sitting uh, in a... In a and down in the floor of a kitchen, working on this black, sweet black lady, old black lady's kitchen, refacing her kitchen. And I was working on her sink base. And the Lord told me, He said, You are an altruist. I said, A what? So I just prayed in the Spirit about it. And when I got home, I looked it up. An alt altruism is where you give so much that it hurts you and those that are closest to you. And I, I, I've, I've been that way a long time. I, I, I'll give people stuff that don't even need it. Just because I think they do, see. So that's something I need to keep, you know, under control in my life. Well, just think about this scenario then. I, I said that toxic love, this, you know, is the, is the foundation for religion. It's based on it. Uh... What if you're an altruist? You're sitting there and you don't have a lot of money. I mean, you meet, you meet your bills. You have a little extra to go to the movies or treat your family. To see. You, know, you don't have a lot of money. But you come in, you're, you, you have this, 
spirit of altruism in you and you come into a congregation where you've got somebody like and I won't name them some preacher that comes in and uh, tells you that you've got to give till it hurts if you will if you'll give $58 how many heard that on TV if you'll give $58 then God will bless you and you're going to have thus and so and all these things and you go ahead and do it see that's men taking advantage of human beings that have that spirit he can't get mine. That man, I know that man. He can't get mine because I know his I know where he's operating from, see. So we have to be very careful that the love that we have for God is not toxic, but it's genuine and that it's not going to destroy us. So uh, another way that we that we develop toxic love in our life is that we bind ourselves to certain disciplines in order to serve God. Uh, I mentioned this coming newspaper article. I mentioned that coming this coming week. I mentioned Lent, which is, which is right upon us. I, I talk about that just, just a little bit. Uh, but this is the reason that I don't practice it. Is because it's too easy for people to get into their understanding. And they may already have that understanding. That if I give up certain things, then God's going to be able to bless me in this period of time. Well, I'm thinking, if it's bad, give it up 24-7. You know, 365 days a year. See. But, even doing that, it doesn't, it doesn't qualify you for the blessing of God. What qualifies you for the blessing of God, Nita? Yes. That, that's the only, I mean, loving Him is the only thing that qualifies. So it says, you know, in the Scripture, Paul talked about it in Hebrews. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Well, we know that it, it pleases the Father to give. He said it gives Him great pleasure to give us the kingdom. So trust, faith, is the only way to please Him. Just think about that. We have a Heavenly Father that the only way that He's pleased is to receive all that He has for us. It has nothing to do with your behavior. If you think your behavior is qualifier, then you need to stop doing that. You know. If you're teaching Sunday school, and you think that's why God blesses you, you need to quit because them kids are getting hurt. I had one of my Sunday school teachers years and years ago. Probably 30 years ago. No, 39 years ago. That said, to the little children. If you're not good, Jesus won't love you. The, the, the sad part about it, that woman believed that. Toxic love is a belief that love must be earned and maintained through performance. Unless you measure up, God's not going to bless you. Unless you give that certain amount, God's not going to bless you. If your abortion machine breaks down, it's because you didn't pay your tithe and God's getting it somehow. No, he's not. Maytag did. So, um, a toxic relationship is characterized by insecurity, self-centeredness, dominance, and control. You know what the modern word is for that today? narcissism that's what that is so there's many things that I could share about these things
the only thing, you see, all religion does is it, it trades one bondage for another. You know, I, in, in studying in counseling, I did a lot of counseling years ago, uh, I, I figured out and I understood that, that a man that is an alcoholic that gets saved, how many knows that his flesh is still alcoholic? Now, in some cases, God supernaturally delivers them and they don't ever take another drop. But that, that man's flesh, when you're alcoholic, it means your flesh is alcoholic. It means your organs and your flesh has to have that component or it's going to uh, rebel against you. Uh, called delirium tremens. But when that man comes in and gets saved, he, if, he's, if he's in a legalistic church, he will adopt all of the legalistic, legalistic behaviors that that church purports. And, and he exchanges the alcoholism for that. And let me tell you something. Religious addictions are much stronger and greater than any drug, any alcohol, anywhere. Religious addictions is what drives uh, Islamism. How do you say that? Islamicism or what? That's what drives it, see. It's a false religion. But they believe that they have to do these things in order to be accepted, in order to get that great place up there with how many virgins they're going to get and all that stupid stuff. But uh, freedom, true freedom, I wish, I wish pastors would understand this. True freedom in God produces commitment. I, I don't ever want to preach on commitment to you. That, that's like getting, you know, that's like the tail wagging the dog. Let's get you in love with God. That's like God told me one time years ago about money. He said, son, if you just get their heart, you got their billfold. Why harp on it all the time? So I quit. So toxic love has really no real relationships in it. It's all pretend. My heart goes out to people. You can see it on Facebook a lot. My heart goes out for people that think they have best friends on there and they never have seen each other eye to eye. <laughs> but, but that kind of relationship is not real, see. It's not, it's not connected. You know, you may have known them in the past or whatever, but listen, fellowship is an ongoing process. It's not just seeing them every once in a while. It's, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. And not that we don't have friends like that, but still, uh, Jesus did not come to modify our behavior. He, he came to set us free from those behaviors. Amen? He, 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 came, he came, as I've said so many times, uh, that Jesus cannot help us manage our own lives. He doesn't want to you to manage the addictions. He doesn't want you to manage the, the problems, the, the cancer, the whatevers. He wants to free you from those things. He's the great manager. I'm just obedient. I was talking to my son the other day. He's coming the 15th of March to preach to us. And he said, Dad, I want you to know I'm not coming for them people. I'm coming to honor you. I said, well, I, I've been waiting on it for 41 years. But, but we need to understand. Where was I at what, before I said that? Modifying behavior? Yeah. If, if he came to help us juggle our problems, we're going to drop one of them bowling pins. And then where are you at? Jesus, you let me down. No, he didn't come to modify it. He came to free you from the bowling pins. 
to free you from the sin, sickness, demons, and fear. Amen? Let me give you a little definition of relationship. The connection of persons by birth or by covenant. It's actually the relation connecting or binding participants. That's relationship. We are in relationship with God. What we have to maintain is fellowship with Him. And it comes through walking in love toward people. Think about that. I told a, a very good friend of mine Wednesday when I was at Rama at that meeting. Uh, he was sitting by me, Jan Butler from Tacoma. I said, Brother, I think the Holy Spirit told me something about uh, when Elisha prayed that it not rain. He said, yeah, what is it? I said, well, I think he told me that, he said, you know, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He said, yeah. I said, I think the Holy Spirit told me that it's a, the, the effectual fervent prayer of a man in right standing with his fellow man avails much. He said, I've never known that, but that sounds right. Amen? That's, that's how key it is to your prayers getting answered. Being in fellowship with people. That's why we do communion here. To keep our relationships secure. To stay in fellowship with one another. See? So that we won't be disconnected. Amen? How long have I been going? Anybody know? Thank you. I don't know where that voice came from. Oh, she's down on the floor. <laughs> I see your hand. <laughs> All right, how do we get out of, of toxic love? We get out of it, uh, one, one of the ways, by confessing our helplessness to do anything to please God. I tell him that regularly. Father, I can't do anything without you. I can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. He's sent to help us. And so I abandon my arm of flesh quite regularly because I can't do it. I cannot do it. Let's turn uh, to I Isaiah 40 and verse 27. Let's see if I can find it on this Kindle here. Isaiah 40. Y'all get anything out of this today? Amen. 27. You probably got up there before I do. Why sayest thou, O Jacob? Speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known... Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail, or fall, I said. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Now that's good news. This is the answer for burning out. The answer for burnout is this, they that wait upon the Lord. 
if you had a little uh, Hebrew word study there, you would see there that that word weight means to bind together. Remember the little song we used to sing, Bind us together, Lord. Bind us. They that bind themselves together, which we can use that same word also is translated to weave. You know how wicker furniture is made. It's weaving these things together. We have different uh, uh, explanations about that, like a threefold cord is stronger. You know, different things. So, so what he's picturing for us here is that when you choose to weave yourself together with him, you will, you will never fail. You will walk. You will run. You will not faint. You will be strong. You will be uh, great in the kingdom of God. But notice, it's got to be done with him. Can't be done outside that. Uh, go over to uh, chapter, what is it? I think 42 maybe. Well, I'm just going to quote that instead of going that. It says that, well, we're going to have to read it. Verse 3, 42-3. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith the Lord God. A bruised reed. The word bruised here means discouraged or oppressed. You know what a reed is? You remember, you remember when Jesus made the little thing to whip those people out of the temple, the money changers and the sellers of doves and all? That's what he used. He, he wove those things, those reeds together and whip those people. But he's saying here that a bruised reed is talking about a person who is discouraged, who is oppressed, who is just down and out, and normal people don't want anything to do with them. But he's saying here, he won't break. If, if a reed was used to draw water with and it had a hole in it, how I many ever drunk some, uh, 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 you know, you got your kids, got your straw out of your drink and they made a hole in it and you tried to suck it up and it wouldn't do that. That's the same principle here. So what the world, what other people may think, that you are not worthy, that he will cast you away, that is a lie. God will never cast us away. He will not break. That's what you do with those broken reeds. You broke them, break them up, throw them away. But he said he won't do that. So there's help out there for people that are lost and undone. And I'm telling you, people that are in dire need and, and, and in straits that you can hardly imagine. Maybe even here in Woodward County, I don't know. But God said he's not going to break them. Notice the rest of that says, and the smoking flax, which means uh, the smoking flax is, of course, those of you that came up in the area, in the era of no electricity, when you had coal oil lamps. A lot of people call it kerosene, but it's coal oil. And you, you have that wick in there. And when that wick gets down, it'll start smoking. Or if it gets, it, the oil runs down, it'll start smoking. So what people do is extinguish that. And so what he says here, but, but I will not quench that. 
And that, that word smoking flax is talking about that, that, you know, the feeble, the obscure, the, the heaviness in heart. God's love will never, will never quench that. He will turn that wick up. He will put a fire in there. And you'll burn brighter than ever before. Glory to God. Amen. So, He'll never leave us, nor forsake us. Did y'all get anything out of this today? We can turn that Facebook off if you want to.